Peep game, you know what it is. It's your man SKYZOO SkyZoo. Live out the borough, all the way out in Japan. Doing it the only way I know how with the Mega Late Show. Let's get into it, baby. Hmm. Yo, Ninth Wonder, man. What a phenomenal guy. What a phenomenal guy. I'm just going to go into it, fellas. Cool. All right. All right, all right. Yo, peace to Don. Peace to the gods. Welcome to a special conversational episode of the Mega Late Show. Every Friday, me and Late bring you interesting, dope, uncanny, perhaps iconoclastic artists and creators living in Tokyo and similar themed folks passing through. And uh, unfortunately, today, Late's unable to join the podcast due to some prior commitments. So y'all know how busy he stays and whatnot. So today's episode isn't really like a Mega Late Show episode, I would say. It's more like a Kaiwa conversational mm. episode a liquid wards mega church type of thing because late's not here i've enlisted on the second mic uh the homie my brother friend of the show and fellow podcaster we have tokyo cliff what's Wh- good what's good what's up fam tell us uh tell us about rump and what you do yeah so rump or basically raw urban mobile podcast is the name of the podcast that i do and basically we interview a a lot of foreigners, mostly foreigners, but we do have some Japanese on. And, and we just, we just a very, um, I guess, what's the word? We, 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 we like to say we're a raw podcast, meaning that we just, we like to talk about the real issues in Japan and get underneath the surface, you know, because a lot of people, what they know of Japan is just basically, you know, a lot of tourist type stuff, a lot of stuff that they see on TV. Um, anime, but we, we like to dig and get underneath the culture. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I, you know, I say listen to y'all, and you guys got a lot of really dope episodes coming up. Hopefully, we'll do some cross promotion and join each other's podcast real definitely, soon. Definitely, definitely. You know what I mean? And so, uh, definitely check him out on S- Stitcher or. Well, just do your Googles. Do your <laughs> Googles. Do your Googles. Just type in Word. Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Word up. Uh, yo, and yo, thanks for coming. And uh, because Late's not here, I'm just going to be playing beats off of the phone. He's not DJing, so we'll see how that all turns out. Uh, now, for this week's guest, uh, if you listen to episode 48 and you were able to apprehend and process the amazing artistry that is MC Buddha, you'll, requi- uh, you'll recall that he has an event, and he's an event organizer uh, for a beat battle event called Beat the Best. And he also shared some music from both of our guests that we have on today. And uh, Beat the Best is going to be going down this Saturday at the room in Shibuya. So definitely check that out. I think it starts at 1130 and is going down all night. So if you're in Tokyo, uh, come out, check that out. Receive some freshly produced nutrients as well as late going to be there spinning some background music for y'all. And I'll be there looking aggressively happy and fulfilled with life. So uh, our guest today, let me go right into it, is a talented MC and poet hailing from North Carolina, currently residing in Southern California. He's back in his motherland of Japan. Fresh off the release of his newest LP, Money Is Time, he set hip hop ablaze with the track North Cac, which I'm imagine everybody has seen that because it blew up like crazy. And I feel like that kind of immediately supplanted uh, P.D. Pablo's home state <laughs> anthem as like the go-to North Carolina jam pony. Whoa. So um, your per- your reaction to that is probably the same as mine. I was like, Yo, who the fuck is this kid? I'm finna rock a top knot too. And uh, holy shit, this video is dope. And so shout out to uh, Joshua Gunn and Kane Smigo. Mm-hmm. Or is it Kane? It could be like a Japanese joint. Yeah, Kane yeah, Smigo. Sure. Uh, most recently, he uh, you could hear our guests on the Heat Rocks podcast uh, with my guy Oliver Wong and 
Morgan Rhodes, I think is her name. And if you listen to that, you'll know, if you listen to us, you'll know that Oliver is one of my favorite hip hop scholars, thinkers, writers, journalists, and uh, just a wonderfully uh, dope person who has an incredibly refined palate and taste for music and a vast knowledge about the culture. Uh, To me, being on that show speaks volumes about the quality and the depth of our guest today. His trajectory is upward, and I feel tremendously fortunate to be sitting here with... G Yamazawa. Hey. What's up, man? Thank I you. I appreciate that, man. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, <laughs> great, man. Thank you for coming through. Intro. You brought uh, a homie who you've worked with and have uh, gone on tracks with him. He's a producer. I checked out his Instagram page, and he's out there with the cats from uh, 88 Rising, like the Mountain Brothers and, and J Higher Rock, Brothers. Uh, the Higher Brothers. Yep. Mountain Brothers. That's an old, old, hey, old yo, school no shit. doubt, no doubt. Shout out to uh, Asian MCs. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's on there with the Higher Brothers. I saw a picture with J Rock. And uh, I think he also produced the Booty Booty track, right? Yeah. Fire. Oh, dope, uh, dope, dope, dope. He, dope. he um, uh, MC Buddha shared that on his episode with that Method Man flip. Mm-hmm. Fire. Very mm-hmm. dope, very dope, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about TikTok or? Yeah. Do you want to? No, I no, mean, TikTok can talk too. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, TikTok is a, is a OG Hachioji cat um, from West Tokyo. Yeah. Um, been DJing, started DJing. Fourteen years. Fourteen years. Yeah, super OG DJ cat, and actually Buddha is who introduced me to TikTok too. Okay. Oh. And I've known Buddha since we, you know, I, I was a kid oh, from really? North Carolina. So, <clears throat> so anytime I would come visit Japan, I'd slide through and stay with. His name's George too. We both both our names are George. Okay. So um, stay with him. He introduced me to all the cats out there in Hachioji, and uh, last year introduced me to this homie. And um, and yeah, he's been making beats for six years, six seven years, something like that. Um, Yo TikTok, uh, you could talk into the microphone too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we like to hear. Yeah. Uh, Only six years. Yeah. Wow, that is. there's a lot of quality that you've been able to uh, put together in yeah, six years, and you're dope, man. Thank so you for brother, coming. Actually, I start making music is a first time is a sixteen years old. Okay. Yeah, so but it's a long time. I I don't stop making music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only DJ, French DJ, and a battle. Okay, that's dope, man. That's dope. Thanks for. Uh, Thanks for coming through, man. I, I'm I'm happy to have you here. Yeah. You know, my Japanese is pretty trash, so I have a difficult time <laughs> communicating with you in Japanese. But yo, thanks for coming. Right. All right. Well, shit. G Yamazawa, man. It's you. so crazy to have you here, yo. Thank you, man. It's Back great in to, Japan. Great to be here. Great to be here. And uh, and yeah. And again, with with TikTok, man, produce booty booty. Been holding me down, Japan. Um, kind of like my senpai. You know what I'm saying? So it's been uh, <laughs> it's been dope to just. To just ride around and kick it and um and learn more not only just about music and 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 um but like just japanese history gotcha. and japanese like just shit like what it's like to really be really japanese you know and so i feel like um it's been a really dope experience especially this past year how so. how often do you come out to japan or how so many times thing, you it was here? really limited before last year so i came i used to i came a few times when i was young and then when i was 24 um, I hadn't been here for, for seven years, and it was my first time coming by myself. So that was the f- 24 was when I first was like, I need to, I need to kind of make the effort okay. deliberately to at least go back. And then, um, and then it's, and then it was another four years until I came back again. 
Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely kind of distant. But in the last year, I've been here like three times, I think. Okay, so been, Yeah. So now it's definitely exponentially growing, and um, and it gets deeper and wider every time that I I, I come. Yo, that's really dope. And and you were mentioning that like out here, you kind of just been chilling, going around, doing things. Are you performing any other shows than uh, at Beat the Best? Nah, that's it. That's it. What what kind of set are you doing at Beat the Best? Is it a rap set? Yeah, like, I'll be doing a good good strong twenty five hey, set. Yeah, and, uh, I think it it's a real small room. I haven't been there yet. Yeah, it's not um, too the big. The room in Shibuya, so it's like uh, yeah, it'll be jam packed, no yeah. stage, and uh, yeah, TikTok's gonna run the set. And dope. Um, all right, yeah, we're gonna be out there at a five in the yeah, morning. I, I come right? from that. Man, I'm from that lineage of those really intimate underground hip hop yep. shows where mm-hmm. you you're smoking cigarettes outside next to <laughs> Slug or you know what I mean, a, a bunch of cats before they was selling out big rooms mm-hmm. and and you know having festivals. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a while since I saw uh, an MC come out here and really rock it. I think the last time I saw somebody was maybe, I mean, I saw Earl last year and also yep. John Robinson from Signs of Life was out here with Elo Kush and Buddha Monk. So shout out to all those cats. And again, if you listen to this podcast as it comes out on Friday, today as Friday, then uh, definitely go check that out, man. Um, I guess I might as well ask a question about Japan that we ask everybody. Yeah. The convenient question. Oh, the cool. Yeah, the convenient question, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, of course, for the Japanese people, convenience are just like, whatever. I'll go into this one and grab something. But coming from the States, we kind of like, yo, I got my favorite here. (laughs) So we, we... uh, we call it a merry fuck kill, but sometimes right. I feel like that's a little problematic. So I, like, I try to avoid it. But like out of out of uh, Lawson, Seven Eleven, and Family Mart, how would you rate those in terms of uh, your appreciation? Like which one you prefer? In Japan, it might be I guess a a, a different kind. For me, to go off the original merry fuck kill, you know the the kill. I feel like I had to kill off a of Seven Eleven just because of. <laughs> Just, you know, just the just the, the taste shit. of the you know of the idea <laughs> yeah. of what a Seven Eleven yeah. really means, and, yeah. and even when you get off the airplane at LAX, there's a Seven Eleven right there, right in your face. And uh, I'd probably, I think Lawson is like definitely the image of a convenience in my head when I was a kid, mm, and seeing it. that pretty ass blue and the the little milk, you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's just, right. yeah Lawson, <laughs> and it's like. Uh, yeah, Lawson is for me probably the top, but um, but as I got older and been around, and they all kind of have the same functionality, and they all kind of really do the trick, yeah. so it's kind of hard there. There's there's not really a wrong answer, but there's definitely <laughs> answers that I hate on. Yeah. If, somebody, if somebody tells me like Seven Eleven is the jam, I think George, I think I think MC Buddha told me that really? said, said that Seven Eleven was the shit, and I was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I'm not gonna hate on yeah. your family, <laughs> but ah. No, but okay, sure. Yeah, me, me and Mega, we family more heads. So oh, word. Yeah. So why, why is it? Why the family more popping more than? The- I like to me. I I, I like the bentos. I, I don't know about uh, any. You know. So they do else, differ. But, they all have their own set yeah. of. Um, it's, yeah, it's a variety of things for me, man. Like when it comes to Seven Eleven, they've got a lot of. Um, like 7-Eleven brand beers and back when I was drinking I was like yo this is trash like I don't want this little blue can that you got a 7-Eleven on I want like some real Asahi shit or you know and so like there's that and also like uh, the hot food is one of the things that really defines it for me I like the hot foods from Family Mart and like the The spicy chicken yeah Yeah. the chicken and like you know the Nikumas (laughs) just on tilt so I really I really just you know but you catch me you'll catch me at a Lawson's all day well you probably won't see me at a 7-Eleven Right. There, there's, <laughs> there's one 7-Eleven in Higashi Kurume that has 
Slurpee machines. Mm, and I'll yeah. go in there just to look at the Slurpee machines. <laughs> I won't get a Slurpee, but I'll be like, yo, I'm, I appreciate you just being around. Because <laughs> I need that, that sugar ice right there, family. Thank you. Yeah, I, I got a family mart in a seven like right near my house so it's it's, it's either those two yeah. that's where i mostly i don't think there's no lawsons around me though i didn't realize they're all 24 hours mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it wouldn't be all convenient if it wasn't 24 <laughs> hours if you if you like the thing is the thing that's crazy is like out here you drinking and it's like four in the morning you're like yo let's uh-huh. go grab another one uh-huh. yeah. it's so convenient crazy. to be an alcoholic out here <laughs> yeah. so, you know I, I remember when i first uh met mega man we I was like, you want to go to um, TGI Friday? What was that, Machita or somewhere? We yeah, it was in Machita. He was like, nah, man, let's just go to let's go to Seven Eleven, get a get a beer, and just chill out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's because mm-hmm. uh, uh, I be penny pinching. Like my alcoholism <laughs> is really cheap. Like they be like, yo, you want to go to like the jazz bar? And I'll be like, uh, I mean, I got jazz on my cell phone, fam. You want me to plug it into the speaker? Yo, you know, I like jazz too, but shit. Yeah, I'll be real low key, cheap right. like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of that goon on the street drinking in front of it. But it was dope though, because you know we talked for like an hour. Yeah, we, yeah. you know we That's grabbed is, a couple man. brews from the combini and mm-hmm. just chopped it up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We yeah. have to go to no fancy place. Yeah, yeah. Well, shit, man, you are an ethnically Japanese person who mm. grew up in the American South. Mm. That's weird to me, mm. to be honest with you. Yes. And mm-hmm. when I was in North Carolina, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of Asian folks, and I was in a military town. Are you first generation American? Yep. I mean, well, my yeah, my parents immigrated there, and they would say second generation. Okay. But first generation, I guess, born there. Oh, oh, okay. That's okay. Yep, yep. Well, how did your parents get to North Carolina? Why does a Japanese person or Japanese family go to North Carolina? I imagine it's like most other stories where you just know someone somewhere. And then you go there to work, and then you you see if you like it or not, and you end up posting up. And so what happened was, is long story short, is my mom always wanted to learn, always was learning English since she was a little kid, um, kind of above and beyond, and uh, especially at that time. Um, and my pops, uh, he used to do rifle shooting back in the day, like target target rifle shooting, and wanted to go to the Olympics and everything, and didn't make the cut. And uh, and Apparently he went through this long depressive stage and then was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go to America." <laughs> That's a long story short. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yo, so he was he was shooting out here. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Like you have to get a like re up your permit every year to, to have Do a they? rifle out here. Yeah, it's yeah. Like the gun control laws are really crazy yeah, out super here. Super crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, and he was in the Japanese defense military. Okay. Oh. Um, okay. And you know he was uh, yeah he was kind of just your your sort of. Um, cliche alpha Japanese dude that that just was you know it just came from that era I guess and uh, like the shoot. he's a shooter man yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> so he went he went to America he's like I'm gonna shoot animals then does he, did, did he, does he well, hunt no, out there he never, no he, he ended up doing target practice rifle shooting at a, at a college in Florida and his name was Steve at the time because he liked Steve uh, the shooter, Steve McQueen and shit, oh, and then he ended yeah, up yeah. Uh, changing it to George, and I became the junior. But um, oh, yeah, so dope. but uh, but yeah, I don't know. My parents were always just kind of a little different, and uh, didn't really fit well in the in the very rigid sense of of Japanese society, man. And um, and so long story short, he was in Florida. It was cooking. Um, and uh, found a job in North Carolina. Okay. And then, okay. So and just then, found the job because I was like, you know. I'm from Charlotte. Um, yep. Charlotte is like my second home, originally mm-hmm. from Brooklyn and all mm-hmm. that. But I was like, "Damn, 
I was like, why would they move the dirt? Yeah. That, well, that, yeah. That's what intrigued me because, yeah. I mean, I could see being somewhere else in the States and then going to North Carolina, but just yep. being like, yo, there's this place <laughs> called North Carolina. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, it might be a good look to go out there. They got, like, tobacco fields and shit. Yeah. Like, right. Yo, I mean. And then my mom got a job be, as a teaching assistant um, in Japanese studies at Duke. So okay. then it oh, was okay. just kind of like one of those, I think, just staple I think we could just raise a cheap cost of living and mm. it was one of those like rated high to raise a family kind of places at that time i guess but um but yeah um yeah it's a story in short you, you got a lot of peoples in uh raleigh yeah in the triangle area for sure okay um not sure if you i believe you come across a cat streety baby mm. dj producer i don't know streety baby yeah he used to live out here um I, I know he told me he, he knew of you. You know, he oh, met shit. you a few times. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Damn. Okay, yeah. Fucking up. Yeah, yeah. He's from, he's from Raleigh, <laughs> but I, I'm not sure where he's at right now. But okay. he's, yeah, he's from that area. Know. So Got I was you. just wondering if you knew him. Yeah, it'd be that small, though. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it'd be like, oh, you know this one? It's like, oh, yeah, I do know that mom. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. Like these little, uh, like you know, concentric circles of hip hop. You yeah. you meet somebody and they know somebody. Like uh, I was I was mentioning earlier, you were on the Heat Rocks podcast, mm -hmm. and our guest like two weeks ago, uh, my homegirl Erica Landia, she was like, "Yo, I live I live like a mile down the street from." from oliver wong and okay. she's like that's the homie and shit and i was like i need him to get on the show immediately <laughs> just tell him to come out here and low-key flex um not not even like a high-key flex he uh he commented on our podcast and was like yo man i'm gonna get on the show Tight. and i felt validated <laughs> yeah i remember you hit me up yeah. he was like yo <laughs> yo but that's my guy but you know people just know each other in the hip-hop community because in a lot of ways when people are functioning on the level that you are who uh, as an artist you're not making uh what would be considered pop rap music you know you're not you're not on like the triplet flow wave or um the very 808 heavy trap beat type of wave um when it comes to like this underground hip-hop or true school hip-hop whatever you want to call it people be knowing each other man like yeah. you probably know dumbfounded and a lot mm -hmm. of the west coast cats who mm -hmm. are out there rocking and shit too mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's what's up yeah so your name is just your name like that's your name is g yamazawa and that's your government george george yeah right yep. like, george masao yamazawa jr what what made you decide on just rocking with the 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 family crest i mean well it took a while for me to like my name man growing up i just hated my name and you know i just wanted to have a regular ass name i hated george too to be honest you know what <laughs> I mean? and so uh but yeah by the time i found appreciation for my name and for my family name really and how symmetrical it is it's a fire name like i was like man his name is super fire it is like, though you know? so i like I think, that z sound in japanese yeah, name. Yamazawa? but to be honest man i'm almost thinking of taking the g off and just rolling with yamazawa you know it's kind of even just a, a seedling right now but um yeah they just called me g in high in middle school high school and the g just stuck. was that your and, uh, first like performing name rap name or just g yeah just there, was, g? there was no yamazawa at first okay actually. um and i you know i came up from the poetry world i don't know how much y'all know but i was yeah. like heavy into poetry for a long time as well um and uh and yeah we just roll up to the slams with open mics and just throw one just a g on there and then that, that was it and then i realized uh yeah that my my, my name is my name how did you like how did you get into poetry though so the first initial we all learn it in school or whatever and kind of don't fuck with it but i, I really um i can cuss on this podcast What's absolutely right, well, I just didn't yeah. ask. Nah. so uh yeah i was um 
in high school and there was a teaching artist that came in a visiting teaching artist and um just showed us Pac, a rose that grew from concrete and it's kind of related rap to poetry for the first time i had never had had someone sit down and and do that for me mm. and i realized um on another level that oh man rap is rap is poetry you know right. as cliche and corny <laughs> as it is it's it like to the best of us it yeah happened to me it is real yeah. though it yeah. is like oh snap like there is a lot more to to this than just it, yeah. it's it's interesting how rap is not held to um uh, i want to call it high art right yeah we usually don't think of it as high art meaning mm -hmm. that it, it is art that should be appreciated on the highest levels mm -hmm. it requires a certain level of uh, you know difficult uh, difficulty and technicality mm -hmm. and so when when it, it seems like everybody should be like oh yeah rap is just poetry over beats but it's usually not commented in that way we would love to put up like a langston hughes poem somewhere but you won't see like rock him verse somewhere yeah. and you know what what a lot of rappers are doing uh through a various you know a plethora of styles and mediums what they do with language is absurd and amazing and what their abil ability to express so for me i i also had that kind of moment where i was like yo like poetry you can do whatever you want i'm reading this gregory corso um auto poesy joint and like it doesn't even rhyme right like jack mm -hmm. kerouac is just going off mm -hmm. and he's just expressing and then i started noticing like all of these independent artists who were like fuck conventional rhyme schemes i'm not going to end with this last word rhymes or mm. even even like a people were just going off with a sing-song style so mm. word man mm -hmm. So with a with a regular with like just using your name in poetry, I find that there's kind of a few cats that are doing that nowadays, just rocking with their regular straight up names, mm -hmm. like Kendrick Lamar, Isaiah Rashad. Isaiah Rashad. Yeah. Here's a here's a temperature check question. What are what what are some hip hop names that you think are dope from other artists? I feel like this this is kind of this idea's been forming the last year or two, but just kind of like I feel like Isaiah Rashad, <clears throat> Nick Jenkins, and Vince Staples are like the Le the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo <laughs> draft to me. That's how that that's how to me those three kind of really are separated from kind of just the rest of the pack as just myself concerned. But um yeah, to be honest, man, I don't really keep my ears that open. I really it's gotten so overwhelming the way music is ingested and the way media the speed at which media is created and released and passes that I just get overwhelmed and I can't keep up anymore. And so if I do come across something that sticks, you know, I'm the type to really till it's in my bones, just kind of live with it. Word. Um, but yeah, Sylvia Demo is one of those summertime 06. And, and well, let me let me rephrase the question. I think maybe uh, I, maybe I didn't explain it right. Like who has a dope name in hip hop? Oh, right. I mean, like just the name sounds dope. I like like Smino. Shmino, uh, hey, that Shmino's is dope. Shmino's Shmino's dope. dope. All right, I like uh, Planet Asia. <laughs> Planet Asia is yeah. their last name. It's a black dude, just like yo, you've been Planet Asia. I don't even know what it means. Like I never read an interview or nothing. Sky Zoo is an ill name. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. I like Bus Driver, which is just Bus Driver is dope too. It's a dope name. Well, okay. Kanye was kind of one of the first cats that was just like, yo, I'm gonna use my name here. Probably, yeah. Well, but then you had like, you know, going back, 
keep Murray. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking up here. Yeah. All right, all right, shit. Let's get back to it, man. <laughs> uh, so, so you're uh, you started with poetry, and then eventually you segued into doing poetry over beats, um, and then there was like. I don't I don't know if this is is if this is the real timeline, but the way I perceived it is like I hadn't heard about you, and then all of a sudden I saw this North CAC video everywhere, mm-hmm. and people that I didn't even know listened to like independent hip hop or like you know underground shit, they were sharing the video. The video was just ubiquitously <laughs> present. What was uh how how did that come about, man? That song North CAC and and what was the experience of seeing it kind of blow up? I imagine it blew the fuck up right like yeah i mean yes and no in a way you know what i mean i think there's like there's levels to it for sure as far as like virality is concerned um it definitely went viral on facebook um it hit four million views in like that's where three, i saw four it. days yeah. kind of thing and that speed is really intense too but you know there's videos that get 27 million views in a week. Yeah. you know there's yeah. like shit that gets 100 million on youtube and it really yeah. changes someone's life forever kind of you know there's different levels um but i guess the before behind the scenes is like started rapping 12 13 got into poetry when i was 17 and then started doing poetry full time when i was about 22 and so from 17 to 24 slam poetry with a rap foundation and background right and so the poetry scenes and 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 the underground sort of circuit in the U.S. is like actually heavily based, especially the younger generation is based on just hip hop kids who actually it's not like they couldn't rap, but it's just that this kind of touches their soul in a, in a different way. Um, and um, and so when I was 24 ish was when I realized that I needed that rap was always the actual dream. And I was actually always probably pretty too scared to want to try to rap really put myself out there and really try to make records and um and why is that well when i was 17 16 i was it was 20, oh, 2006 2007 and uh and rap was just at a weird stage i feel like at that time especially yeah. for me to be 16 17 and knowing what kind of career that i feel like i would have maybe wanted to have this is when soldier boy was like really yeah. first going crazy on rap right and uh and the internet w- and and rap was just getting really young yeah for like really really young for the first time yeah it, it was um it was snap music era was coming to mm-hmm. an end little wayne was kind of doing a thing mm-hmm. and the more popular sounding rap music was not the most thoughtful nope. music that was coming out nope. and it was extremely focused on kind of uh the black stereotypes that are not the yeah. most positive ones. So as an Asian man, you probably felt like, how do I break into yeah, this industry? Yeah, what do I with, do? What do I talk about? being authentic. Yeah. Right, right. The Bush administration. It was just a lot of <laughs> shit going on. It just, and, and of course, a lot of shit in my own life where it just, I, um, I guess I was still searching for something, but I knew I wanted to express myself. And that's when poetry kind of found me at that time. And I realized it was a really ripe culture and community for me to really... Um, just do what I love. And I never really thought I could make a career out of it either. You know what I mean? Um, and so I really like to liken like poets and to dancers where you really got to like dancers like make no bread. <laughs> they like, you know, but are working the hardest and are always in the background kind of thing. And so they're really tight knit. All the communities are very close and family like. Um, 
And so, okay, so 24, and luckily, thanks to poetry, I got to do a lot of international traveling. And so I would go to countries where they can somewhat speak and understand English, but it's not fully, so like Germany, right? Okay. And we'd spit poems and we'd be received pretty well, but I realized there was definitely a language barrier and there was definitely, that was definitely an issue for me. Um, And so... I realized I wanted to make music, man, and I wanted to kind of be able to transcend those barriers. And, um, and yeah, so that's when I dropped a mixtape, just rapping over my shit. I just want to get some bars off. It was kind of like just getting back to my 17-year-old self and kind of picking up where I left off, but with like seven years of of deep training and appreciation for the word and for community and for culture um, without really knowing it you're refining your craft before knowing time. you're going to get back into exactly. it right um and so yeah dropped a, a mixtape dropped an ep and then so shouts to durham was kind of like the time 15 16 was when i was working on my my debut and i was like you know an ego driven dude and wanted us deal before i had a debut i wanted to, you know i wanted a budget for you know no my doubt. shit and uh someone told me like you know it's just the record is just supposed to represent a time in your life and so that's when things kind of shifted uh and yeah i was just like got to a place where i like i didn't care if anyone listened to this or if anyone liked it i just really liked it myself i knew i had a couple slappers on there and this was my first debut album and that's a strong yeah, yeah. debut man thank you man. yeah that's yeah. a really yeah. strong debut thank actually you. thank you so much yeah, there, i would imagine oh. there would be like more before that you know what yeah. i mean like yeah most of the cats i know like they've got tons of throwaway tracks like dozens mm-hmm. of them before they come out with that first you know piece and that was a strong release i i didn't know if you had released like underground tapes before that because that was the first joint that i listened to well i just and, had a mixtape yeah. and uh like a what, nine track mixtape and uh and a five six track ep um, but I was saving up. I wanted, you know, wait for my debut album. And it was just this whole thing that wasn't, you know, really real in a, in a sense. Um, but yeah, I got to a place and, and yeah, May 3rd, I just was like, all right, just throw this mug on Tune Core hey. and shouts to Tune Core. And, May 3rd, huh? May 3rd, yeah. And then uh, May 7th, we was just uploading North CAC. I was like, I guess this is the single. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just yeah. like kind of thing. And so. Um, I had shot probably like seven videos for it before we released it. Oh, and I wow. knew I wanted to front load on videos because I understood that it's easy. There's common sense now. It's just like this is a visual society in age. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, I think that really aided with the success of the song because for sure. when I saw it, I was like, yo, this video concept is dope. Who the fuck is that dude in the back dancing his yeah. ass yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. He's killing it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons I was like, yo. Well, and so now if you look at North, now to get to North CAC itself, it's like... I imagine the first part is just hearing barbecue sauce with slaw coming out of an Asian dude's mouth. It was a striking image. It's it was. Just like, it's Th- just that like, was dope. That right? was the, that, that, That's what really caught my, yeah. my eye. I was yeah. like, oh, wow. And it's all coming in. You're, you're, the drums are starting to yeah. sink in, and you're just like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? Where you just kind of like moving yeah. across the screen. Yeah. And, like, and the sun, yeah. right? The yeah. sun in the, I imagine like when you're scrolling through the Facebook thing, your page, yeah. timeline, and it's just this like super virus sun yeah, coming yeah. in this unknown field and Asian dude with a, a bun and the yeah. homie just crumping in the background you know I yeah. think um, and then I think that and we just really barred up man it just was like yeah Everybody we were just barring off and so him, so and then you got a, a Asian dude a black dude a white dude in the middle of the country 
just rapping their asses off talking about slaw and so i, I immediately rock with it man i was like yo hip-hop is everywhere man they dope out there in north carolina i thought y'all thought it was only little brother yo yeah man that was that was really dope i'm i'm, I'm glad to see your success and um i like i think that it's important that your voice is out there um as as an asian american uh just making that music you know uh, being that I come from an older generation, uh, like this bygone era of like underground cats, we really um, we really didn't give a damn if people were like black, Mexican, Asian, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You really just had to be dope. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I-, I noticed when I was listening to your episode um, about Kanye on the Heat Rocks joint, mm-hmm. is that sometimes I forget that for a lot of younger cats cats younger than me the generations after the telecommunications act and shit like that for a lot of those cats they were only being subjected to popular mainstream music like mm-hmm. bet stopped playing company flow and those things so when an artist like kanye comes out and he's like yo you could just be mm-hmm. like you don't have to buy into like this aggressive tough guy machismo you can just do something so um it's mm-hmm. dope that you were able to navigate that and mm-hmm. and you know kind of find your own voice big thanks to little brother too speaking of at that time in that era with all that going on little brother influenced kanye too yeah yeah without realizing that this was coming out of durham north carolina i would have probably you know i think they was kind of that guardian angel i'm I'm curious um first i want to give a shout out to the uh the Kinja's podcast that you did. Oh, word, yeah. <clears throat> my homie Just Phil is a Kinja. He was the he's the black Kinja that they mentioned on your episode. And for our listeners, I think, you know, a lot of the things that you guys talked on there I didn't want to rehash. So I just wanted to go ahead and give them a shout out for their podcast. You guys had a great conversation about representation, personal authenticity, and responsibility as um, you know, Asian Americans mm-hmm. operating with uh within the black art form uh, mm-hmm. of hip hop music. And uh, you also reflect that in a lot of your lyrics. So uh, shout out to you and them and our listeners should definitely go check that out. I was <clears throat> I was curious, um, you know, now now more so than ever, there seems to be kind of a demand or market for everything, basically. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. um, when it comes to being an Asian rapper, I imagine that you have a lot of you have a lot of fans who are Asian cats who are like, yo, like I'm trying to rap too. Like I want to, you know, mm-hmm. like you're an inspiration to me. You probably have Asian rappers who are inspirations to you who were some of the kind of first people that you saw that were you know like you asian asian rappers operating who were some of the first people that you saw that you kind of were like yo i, I rock with that that like that's dope i mean for me earliest is definitely Jin. you know definitely you clear from that era, yeah i'm from that era um, he was battling his ass off and shit too that so. shit was crazier than jeremy lynn type you know it was just like <laughs> i was like I remember Linsanity. I forgot about oh, yeah. Linsanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know how. how what year was it? Two thousand. Well, Jin sure. was early two thousands. Maybe like yeah. two thousand and one and two thousand two. He was doing the what was it? BET Friday Cyphers or whatever. Friday. Yep. South Fridays. Yep. He battled Sky Zoo on that shit. Oh, he did. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So Jin. Hey. Yeah, and I was must have been eleven. You know what I mean? Okay, and yeah. I'm just like, and then there, that began the whole, it was this whole like, man, I, I love this guy, but I hate this guy too. You know? <laughs> like I wanted to be the first one or that now any in middle school, they just, everyone called me Jin. And it's like, you know, there was just this whole love, hate, shame, embarrassed, but proud and, yeah, and dignified so I, I kind of. better being called Jin than some other Asian actor or some shit like <laughs> Jackie Chan. Or well, it's like, you know? yeah, getting called Bruce Lee where like, 
Bruce Lee is a, is fire. Like Bruce yeah. Lee is one of the most iconic, amazing characters this our generation ever seen. And yeah. and yet, and still, if someone calls you Bruce Lee, someone outside your name, you're you still feel ashamed. As powerful hear, as a person yeah. that is, so. you you I mean you get it enough, and it's like there's obviously a lot more to you than than what people kind of try to condense you into when they give you those type of stereotypes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's got to be it's got to be pretty wild operating within. Um, a culture like hip hop where you know the, the first thing that people are going to see is like oh there's an Asian guy rapping here mm-hmm. so you know is a, a lot of times I feel like the representation for hip hop that we see is is not always the most positive in terms of stereotypes and, and the things uh, that, that the culture actually reflects uh, what are your thoughts on like non-American Asian hip hop acts that seem to emulate what they perceive as black culture like more so like the trap rap guys who are growing up in china that have never really experienced black culture yeah but they put on all the accoutrements they've got they've got the gold teeth and they've got mm-hmm. the type of things how, how does that make you feel as like a person trying to be an authentic artist to see them take black culture like that it's hard man it's conflicting um it's um it, and it, what it does first is make me just question myself, right? So it's a little bit less of an accusatory feeling that jumps out, and uh, it's a little bit like, a, hmm, this I look like this one, you know? We look, you know, we look alike. What is the, what is the difference? Mm-hmm. And is and then then it's is there a difference? And then it's um. Well, I think so. I mean, I'll let you for finish, sure. But yeah, for sure. Um, and there is, there is, and there there isn't in 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 a way. I think. Um, and I think that for me, it, it gets deep because it's on some human shit where it's like, I'm also judging this person based on what they're wearing right now. And I'm judging their entire life based on the country they're from and what they're wearing and what they look like. And um, the thing that I can maybe speak to a little more intricately is like um, like Asian dudes with locks and, and you know, and, and really, really getting the treatment or like how to, you know, what what is it? mean and what does it entail and i think something that's changed for me in the last year of really kind of being here a little bit more is realizing that like cats that are doing this are really making a very bold deliberate move outside of japanese of their society yeah (laughs) it's actually really uh i mean sure it could be cool or what or but it's like you're actually sacrificing a lot of acceptance in your own culture for you to claim um um sort of of someone else's these cats ain't as lucky as you having like parents willing to let you explore your artistry you know as as like an asian kid even in america a lot of kids don't get that type of Mm -hmm. leeway and Mm -hmm. these guys are making a big statement Mm -hmm. by getting tattoos out here Mm -hmm. as a japanese person doesn't Mm -hmm. even speak in you know english or some shit like automatically the whole society looks at you like, damn, that dude's probably mm-hmm. Yakuza. That guy's probably yeah. kind of, he can't go into the onsen. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. I can see how it'd be a, uh, like conflicting because, you know, in, in one way, you these people are trying to respect the culture. And their way of respecting the culture and, and really liking and idolizing it is to try to emulate it to a degree. Mm-hmm. And they love the sound, so they want to be a part of that. And then they strive, and maybe they are trapping and maybe doing some real real street type mm-hmm. of shit. But, you know, um, a lot of times I, I, I'm concerned that they 
they look at the magazines and they get the they get the image, but they don't know a lot about the history of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of a bit problematic for me. Yeah. Um, and generally, I don't listen to trap music like that anyways. So when I see that happen, I'm like, yo, I remember like being around drive-bys and seeing what happens when people are really street. And I don't even respect American artists who are exactly. genuine fakes. Like you're, yeah. you're, yeah, you're yeah. Takashi 69. Like you don't start banging when you're fucking 17 years old and start getting face tats when you're 17 years old like that. Like you cats that I know, like anybody that I knew that was gang banging was gang banging when they were like 11, 12 years old and they grew up into it. So mm -hmm. I have problems with that, man. But you know, um, I think with you, it's like they're, and uh, and and especially in like the type of hip of there's a lot of authenticity there and that's used to be the the biggest demarcation of whether or not you could join the culture in, in california you know you, we had graph writers who were mexican we had cholos that were writing graffiti you know asians that were b-boying and aggressive rollerblading at the yeah. same time and yeah. so it was more like your cultural capital was not based upon how much how much like money you had or anything like that it was what your originality and authenticity yeah. was within the culture so you slide by pretty easily because people see that authenticity immediately well i understand how i understand like too that the mc as the mc you know came to the forefront the image of of what success is changes the image of what hip hop means changes to the world as it was globalized. This is just from my, you know, my perspective, right? And so then it's just like I be on Instagram and I'm watching like the Russian crump scene, you know what I mean? Or I'm watching like Japanese that DJ B-boys. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like it's just that the rapper, I mean, what what is striking is that you have the image that this person is profiting off of the culture. And so is and, and then it's just this exploitative right. element. Whereas if there's a dancer, it's like, damn, this fool is sweating yeah. for this, no matter what they look like, right. you know. And so I think yeah. there's levels also to sort of what we think of, like financially speaking, right. economically speaking, which is which is sort of yeah. the root of, of the problem too, in a way. I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm very protectionist about hip hop culture um, because, you know, it's the culture I grew up in. And historically, especially with black music, black art, it's usually co-opted, colonized and used and they receive less credit for it. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty protectionist about it. Mm -hmm. But as you said, like when it comes to rapping, rapping has been the thing that's been the easiest for outsiders to monetize in hip hop culture. So when you see somebody profiting off of it mm -hmm. it's more suspect than a guy mm -hmm. who's just trying to break dance or right. you know yeah. do something right. and so also when it comes to hip-hop like you can study the brain under a microscope all day but you'll never get to know a person unless you talk to them mm -hmm. and when it comes to rapping people are talking and mm -hmm. so the things that they say um reflect a little bit more immediately than a person spitting on their face mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's it's a difficult road to travel mm -hmm. man i think you've been doing really well with that and i I, I appreciate I appreciate your voice within hip hop. Like I'm 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 half black and I'm, mm. I'm actually Filipino, German, Japanese, Spanish, black, and Native American. <laughs> so I'm super multicultural. Mm. But I grew up around like when I saw you as an Asian guy rapping, I wasn't like, yo, fucking wow, an Asian guy can rap. I was like, yo, that <laughs> motherfucker is getting it, and the top knot is ill. He's pulling that shit <laughs> off really dope. So, word, you you have cats like um, Rich Brian. 
mm-hmm. right? Who came into the culture and kind of blew up off of his track, mm-hmm. and his name was Rich Chiga, mm-hmm. which you understand the implications of using that name. And I think that he was responsible enough to kind of learn more about the culture and see how that was problematic. And he calls himself Rich Brian now, and I can appreciate that shit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. quick story. I had a um, there was a dude I met in Tokyo not too long ago, Korean dude, and um, you know, he was in the hip hop. He was a rapper. And um, that, you know, that part alone, you know, I respect, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're into it, you're into it, right? But, you know, I was chilling around this guy and then he starts using the N-word. Was he speaking English? He's a yeah, he Korean-American just, cat yeah, in Japan? No, Korean, Korean, Korean guy. Speaking English. Speaking English. That's dope. And, That's um, trippy. Yeah, so he yeah. started but using speaking the, English is dope, not dropping the yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So he started using the N-word yeah, yeah. and um, I didn't like it, but... I wouldn't say I was offended, but what I felt, why I didn't like it was because I felt like he was trying to play this role to the T, right? So with that said, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the use of the N-word or or do you use it? Yeah, long history for sure for my life, just growing up, um, being called it, being like actively encouraged to say it, being, you know, and then coming from just circles where and then also it's a it's a it's a maturity thing for sure and you know some people are like oh but just have not matured yet or been around good examples and so you know this is also like you're i'm 12 11 12 13 14 15 where none of us are really matured to a place where we can have those conversations on top of that at that age you're not really familiar with the like the the deep history of slavery and the implications of the word and things of that nature so especially at your age like people have been using it casually as a term of endearment and all types of other things so for sure uh, it must have been you grew up around a lot of black folks and shit for sure for sure and it's and it's also just a mechanism of exchange in a way and it's a and it, it is it is a it is ah, such a complex, it complex is. word. It and is. I, yeah. And um, I, I think that, you know, in, in your case, you, you grew up around a black, a lot of black guys and um, you grew up within the culture. So I can understand somebody like you yourself yeah. using the word. And I don't think I would have a problem with it necessarily. No. Now, every I'm not every black man. So, mm-hmm. right? you know, it just depends on the person. Yeah. And, but for so, me, mm-hmm. you know, I. I I get that you you grew up in the culture, but with this dude, I just Wait, felt he, like he you was don't trying. use the word though. No, yeah. okay. no. but so. but even if he did, right? Yeah. I'm I, saying I think, yeah, 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 yeah. But this dude, I just felt like ah, it's you know a little I mean? bit strange to see it used in that in that way. <laughs> yeah. But it, a lot of times, I think for guys like us who are in a whole another culture in Japan, a lot of times we have to step back and say like i can't expect this person to understand like Mm -hmm. everything about it Mm -hmm. and this is an opportunity for me to kind of explain it and if that point they callously disregard your feelings about it then that's more problematic but like we're all pretty problematic especially in today's sense where people are much more um wise to things that are problematic Mm -hmm. and so when i be getting off and you know i use the word bitch quite a bit Mm -hmm. and i don't call women that like to their face but i'm like man these bitches out here crazy mm-hmm. and that's wild problematic in a way as well so if if i'm around somebody they're like yo don't use that around me i'll be like well bitch i mean i think at that point you have to you your face to be like all right this is how it's interacting do i want to continue to use this yeah. and for a person outside of it we kind of have to be like oh, i'll give them more leeway than i would 
somebody in the states yeah. actually yeah. Um, mm. I mean I think most cats you yourself you don't use it cats that grow up around cats that are not black or afro latino back when I was younger they wasn't saying it man none of my white homies that grew up around all black folks ever drop it like they just know better rory from the joe budden podcast never in his life would say it and it's just kind of like you you if you're of the culture then you know that it's kind of not dope to do that and shit so I yeah i mean know. that's the safe bet yeah. you know yeah yes yeah, i imagine it's just about really about effort and it's also about the kind of people you're exposed to who may be um who may be affected by the language you use in different ways and if you're just a cat in the streets and you're not really around any places of, of, of or communities of people where they care about the kind of language you use at all then i imagine it would take a lot of effort for you to try to alter your everyday language no doubt and for me as i got into the world of poetry i've started to really understand the depth of how what you say makes other people make other people Indeed. feel and um and i think that and also what what's what's worse is like not knowing if it actually is affecting someone because you know that it, it could possibly very well affect someone deeply and they may not even have the heart to tell you um and to yeah, me yeah. that was painful as well so and, I, and that yeah. was kind of i think of a that was a question i had for you and maybe that maybe you would out you will add that to it but mm -hmm. is there anything from poetry that you brought to your uh you know the, the rap part of you being being an mc and probably just heart all heart and realizing like every person is such a phenomena every story is so <laughs> deep it really is man every um and just the idea of exchange and the depth of of the stories we tell um and and making me realize that i don't need to tell anyone's stories but my own and my story is my story and that um and uh and be, and once you like build pride in your own you're able to really appreciate other people's stories and listen i think poetry is learning how to listen too mm. it's a lot of spitting and you're on stage and you're writing but it's mostly learning how to listen and mm. i think a lot of rappers um that i grew up with or knew, knew or still know or just or every people in general well, sure, no don't listen yeah. you know everyone yeah. especially in america you know so yeah like that. it'd be, yeah. It'd be, i think it's a it's a worldwide phenomenon you yeah. know if i can comment on your style a little bit and yeah. what i kind of um apprehend from it and get from it it's like i think that you have a really your your lines are very deliberate and i won't use the word simple but they're they're accessible for people to understand and i think that perhaps maybe that's something that comes across uh, in your poetry it's like that as well mm -hmm. you're trying to communicate the word mm -hmm. and you don't need to dress it up with multi-syllabic you know <laughs> lyrical miracles sometimes sometimes the simple direct <laughs> sentence yeah. is is like the approach and it's like hemingway you know hemingway was able to achieve a lot in storytelling by making simple deliberate sentences where like the man crossed the street to die and like you could dress that <laughs> statement up a lot of ways but yeah. for you that's something that i that i think is really dope and one thing that i like about your music is that you seem to have this ability to not only jump on a track that sounds more uh contemporary in terms of the hip-hop sound mm -hmm. um you know the drums are banging the beat the the beat sounds more uh 
modern mm. in terms of hip hop sound and also able to get on a track that seems like a really straight up boom bap mm. rip and because mm. of your style and your approach to lyricism where you you focus on i mean the content is always there in what you're saying but the cadences that you use and the way that you um utilize your your voice it it makes it really accessible and i think that what i'm trying to say is that you maybe the poetry is allowed you to be a very effective communicator mm. because i catch every single line you say Word. you know what i mean thank so you, shout out to you man that shit is really thank you man really doing it and i think you all you also got the swag man i mean i, th I think that thank comes you, from growing up in north yeah Cac, yeah you yeah, know. yeah yeah you showed up in the hornets pullover yeah, 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 yeah. today yeah man. yeah me and my homie was talking about cool the other day like yeah. some people he was just like, you're just cool, man. Yeah. You're cool. You're just as you are cooler than I'll ever be as hard as I Trevor try or something. You know? <laughs> you and I guess, I guess some people are just sort of born with a certain kind of cool or kind of sensibility. Um, and, um, and first of all, man, thanks for diving into my work. I think as an artist, um, I'm, once, especially once something's released, you sort of forget you you try your best to move forward so you forget about what is what you know i, I don't know what it's like to sort of listen to my own shit from sure. a third person perspective so i did want to comment on that though man i haven't listened to your new album and i wanted I'll to work. ask you about this shit yeah 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 i don't use spotify uh -huh. i don't use title i'm not into renting music right <laughs> I, I like to purchase music and word. i don't i don't like to buy from itunes because mm. itunes likes to take a lot off the top from the artists and shit right so i rarely buy from them i mm. usually buy from artists directly or from their Bandcamp pages mm. why aren't you on Bandcamp with your new album that's a good question wait how'd you hear shots of Arrow? uh Bandcamp, i think is it on there uh -uh. youtube a lot of that yeah. shit is on YouTube. It is on you live yeah. with all the videos. A lot of YouTube. it is on YouTube, and also I pirate a lot, a large variety of oh. my music, man. <laughs> Wait, but <laughs> so you pirate you pirate the music, but you yeah. won't stream it? Yeah. Listen, listen to my logic here, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, so every month, like people pay nine dollars to stream music, mm -hmm. right? If I listen to your album hundred and fifty times, you maybe make a cent off of it, right? Mm -hmm. Usually, what I do with my artists. I will put forth maybe 30 or $40 a month and I purchase music from the artists that I like and then the ones that I just want to check out, I download it. Mm. I also will preview an album by downloading it. I'll mm -hmm. down, if it's like, I'm going to buy the new Bus Driver album immediately. I mm -hmm. support him. I've been doing it for decades. But if it's a new artist, like say perhaps, uh, I don't know, JPEG Mafia, I'll download I'll download the album and I'll say, yo, this is hot. I'm rocking with it. I'm going to give him my $9 this month. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to purchase about three or four albums a month. Mm -hmm. And that's how I support my artists. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm still in a lot. I listened to over 140 albums this year that's of so new hip-hop shit. Dog. And I've spent, I, I, I bought like about three or four albums a month. So crazy. So. So I don't stream. Shouts to you, my God, that's crazy. I just don't stream, man. Mm. And and you know, in preparation for this, I was like, yo, I didn't, I didn't know that you had a new album out. Mm. First and foremost, I just, uh, it was outside of my radar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, let me buy this. And then like I went to the Bandcamp, and it was like an older album. I was like, oh, I got this shit already. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, like, I, I'm curious, why, why, why is it not on? Bandcamp? Honestly, so this album particularly was like. I went through a lot of weird headspaces after Shots of Durham and North Cac and just kind of the, the progression of how it all unfolded. And, you know, I didn't like blow up crazy out of this world, you know, and sign to a major or anything. But my life did definitely shift um, after last summer. And so I think as I was kind of coming off of that year and just the pressure of a 
the sophomore curse and and just kind of all the, you know all of the self-made pressure and just saying like oh it's not gonna be as big as or whatever i think i needed to just put these joints out um like i said to to represent this time in my life and keep moving forward and i knew that if i didn't put this joint out this year um it would it, I, I just could feel me myself losing a lot of momentum I didn't do a lot of front loading i didn't shoot a lot of videos for it i didn't kind of go crazy with promoting it and i kind of just it represented yeah this time in my life and wanted to i just wanted to kind of keep the ball semi rolling okay yeah um i have one more question before i like to take a break mm -hmm. uh a lot of the artists that i listen to um uh, especially a lot of the black independent artists like Open Mike, Eagle, Bus Driver, and these things of this nature. And just growing up in the underground hip-hop scene, our shows are dominated by white faces. White people really appreciate underground hip-hop music, and, uh, and that's great. Um, what do you? What does your audience look like these days? Is it largely white, or that's you got question. a lot of Asians? I don't even know. I think I've just started to begin growing an audience. Right? Just started. And realizing how, and by audience, I mean like when you pull up to Dallas, Texas, how many tickets are you gonna sell if it's just your name mm -hmm. on the bill? And I'm not quite sure yet. I'm positive um, there's definitely a strong Asian hold. Um, yeah, I was curious about that because, like, you know, Asians be rocking with each other. Heavy, they do, you know they do, I mean? but they, it's also just not a lot of us no in, in America. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. It's, but, um, so I think, I, I imagine it's just Asian, it's mostly Asian and North Carolinian. Because if I go to North Carolina, I'm selling a lot of tickets for sure. Okay. And I mean, not like 5,000, but I'm selling a good, I'm packing out a good size venue and it's going to be a really diverse crowd and it's going to definitely be some Asian cats coming out of the woodwork, but it'll be mostly black and white audience for sure. It'll be a mostly like really 2018 North Carolina looking sure. audience and it'll be old too. Like there's a lot of old cats. There's a lot of parents that bring their kids. Um, and uh, but I'm sure in LA, yeah, it'd be a heavy Asian scene for sure. No doubt. Yeah. Now I need you to rap that booty booty verse for me in English. <laughs> I <laughs> wish, that's, bro. That's I wish. Yeah. But you know, um, before we take a break, I, I just want to, you know, kind of give props to Mega mm -hmm. and you at the same time. Uh, you know, for me, I'm not as in tune with hip hop as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm more into like the house scene um, mm -hmm. these days. So, but um, shout out to Brooklyn Terry. Yeah, shout out to Brooklyn Terry, you know, legend. Anytime somebody says house music, I got to have a shout out to yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Terry, man. Legendary house dance of Brooklyn Terry. And um, so I grew up on a lot of, uh, I guess, hardcore rap, right? Mm -hmm. Onyx, DMX, mm -hmm. MOP, mm -hmm. Camp, Click, Wu-Tang and all that, right? But I, I, I've kind of gotten away from hip hop. But I think, you know, um, listening to Mega Late Show, um, I, I've really gained a, 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 a different appreciation for hip-hop now mm. because for me I guess I have a different perspective I, I've never really it sounds like you you separated yourself a little bit when the mainstream started changing yeah yeah but but also the fact that I I, I, I don't look at hip-hop in the way you guys do like I guess I guess because I grew up in hip hop, Brooklyn, New York, like I never really looked at it in a serious way. I just mm -hmm. consumed it. Mm -hmm. You know, the bars was the mm -hmm. bars was hot. Yeah. It was hot. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I never really like approached it with, like you know, you you, you approach it with a more scholarly well, approach, I, uh, I, academic. 
I I grew well, up in hip hop that was a participation based culture, like exactly. not just a listening culture. Mm-hmm. Like we were like anybody that was into it was like doing it. Like even yeah. if you just try to freestyle or write your name in graffiti. So mm-hmm. and see me, I didn't grow up in that. I, I I mean I grew up in Brooklyn, but I didn't grow up in that. Mm-hmm. I, what I grew up in was just listening to it, memorizing the bars. Mm-hmm. You know, like my first song I memorized, I, I believe was LL Cool J. Around the way, girl. Oh, around the way, girl. You know, so, you know, for me, but, you know, going back to you, I, I think that, you know, I, I like your approach. You're not trying to be something that you're not, and you're trying to bring your perspective to it. And I really appreciate that. You, um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to catch up on your music. Um, Thank you, man. I saw some of your videos before coming here. Thank so, you, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really a... I'm not I'm not a like scholarly type. I'm just also the kind of cat that really just consumed everything that was kinda of coming my way. I was a big Missy yeah. fan at the time. My sister was older sister was on Fuji's back in the day. Yeah. And so there was elements of like of some true school shit, but it was also a lot of Jay, just Jay Nas Big Pot kind yeah. of outcast. It was kind of <laughs> this yeah. surface level just what was what were really big records my, my generation is kind of the last generation of, mm-hmm. of this kind of participation based underground hip hop shit mm-hmm. when the telecommunications act happened in like 96 and the 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 entire music market started changing and, and you know clear channel and Viacom purchased up all the radio stations mm-hmm. hip hop stopped being uh, a voice that we controlled and mm-hmm. it started to become something that you know people outside of the culture like Lear Cohen were using to make money and you know populating and so of course hip-hop persisted and we got Nas but we also got Trackmaster Nas and then like you know things changed so mm-hmm. it, I'm really from a, a different time and yeah. that's why and I think a lot of people from my era and from eras you know before that like Oliver Wong we do kind of take more of a hip-hop scholarly approach and appreciation to yeah. the culture than the you know the cultures that followed after or the, mm-hmm. the generations that followed after so mm-hmm. but it's, that's dope it's really, and I, I appreciate right. that because like i said that's what kind of you know listening to this show has kind of made me appreciate hip-hop in a different mm-hmm. way you know mm-hmm. than when i did coming up you know so I, I mean i can definitely see how i come across as an old head and shit in a lot of ways <laughs> i definitely i definitely do like i said no. i like a lot of i like a lot of young <laughs> cats and shit but there's not going to be any real way that i'm going to be able to tell you that like I love Kanye's shit. Yeah. I like early Kanye, uh, yeah. you know, for what it's worth. But you're not going to get me telling you that Drake is great or Astral World's album of the year or some shit like that. So <laughs> I just, you know, I, I've always I, I've prided myself on rocking with artists who I felt were authentic and had something to offer, and that's why I gravitate towards your music because sure. I see it there, man. So Thank you, uh, man. thanks again for rocking with us, man. Yeah, already, and I, I, I hope hope you get a band camp, man, because I'm I'm always on. Oh show. yeah, I need to, I need to update that, <laughs> month, man. Yeah, I'm always. It's a vinyl, camp, so man. I can buy it on vinyl, man. Yes, Press sir. it to vinyl. That's what I'd like to see. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, let's take a little break, y'all. All right. Yo, what up, what up? This Elder Sensei, one half of the Artifacts Jersey Stand Up. You are now checking out the Mega Late Show. Let's go, y'all. Peace, Jersey. Elder Sensei, one. Well, shit, let's go right back into it, fellas. All right. Well, that was a little break. We were just talking shit. Hey, let me um, let me, let me, me ask you, uh, G, before we go into uh, this this musical share segment, uh, who's an artist that you would like to work with, man? Like like a dream, like not saying that it's possible, but, you know, like somebody that if you 
had some budget like some wild budget or just the opportunity to work with somebody all time who would it be this is my go-to answer is Lil john is that right it is <laughs> it really is it's my go-to kind of just like just since i was a kid you know i grew up on like i grew up like practicing buddhism and listening to Lil john too man. you know what i mean like there's just this like this very there's crazy there's a line there there's a what? There's a through line there, man. <laughs> there is. It's just yeah. like there's like an immediacy, like a zen to his <laughs> to his little John. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, um, yeah. Well, you know, he's dope. Like a lot of people think that Lil John is just some dude that was yelling, but Lil John is an accomplished <laughs> DJ. He's yes. an accomplished producer. Yes. He's been in the scene forever, and he's just dope. He's dope, and I mean, he um, captures an era for sure. He captures a time in my life for sure, and he. It's just I think about rap and hip hop and gangster rap and hardcore shit and, and violent movies and all of these kinds of kind of media and what is it that what what is it that draws people to it? How why is it that it sticks into their bones? And and uh poetry helped me a lot with trying to figure a lot of this stuff out and feel it out. It's just that it really gets attached to a time in your life, to an emotion in your life, to um different parts of yourselves that you that you may not know are there or not or that you may not have given time to try to deal with and so when i was just going through a lot of shit i would listen to kings of crunk and i would just if it was 38 minutes at a time you know i just kind of would could just go there in my own head and i think that little john to me is funny as it is on the surface level i think like if i could somehow obtain access to that kind of sound and that kind of feeling um but get into the nitty-gritty of the human experience and you know of course not talk about Bang cats shot, across shot, the head shot, in the club, yeah, right, you know, right. of course. Yeah. But if I could somehow grab that energy, that energy yeah. and, and funnel it into, you know, nuclear abolition or just grief, you mm. know, like, I mean, grief itself is such a heavy thing. So I think that's kind of like, to me, is the go to, like, man, if Lil John calls, I'm there. That's actually, <laughs> that's actually brilliant. And that's actually a good, like, I can, I can, your explanation of it, I could hear it, man. Yeah. You should reach out to him. I think your artistry's there, man. I think he'd rock with you. I should, man. I should. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I went to this New Year's Eve celebration last year in Vegas, and it was this New Year's Eve with Lil John. <laughs> it was like DJ. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of like random, man. Um, but like of this stage, for sure, like Kendrick, the three I named, you know, Isaiah, the whole TDA camp is crazy. Yeah. Chance, I mean, it's a lot of guys. Reason is dope, too, man. Yeah, I got to check yeah. out a good album man yeah. and that's an album that he recorded before he signed with TDE so it's like his uh, raw artistry that he just uh, popped off with so his next joint should probably be really mm -hmm, crazy mm -hmm, yeah, it's a good album mm -hmm. turn up and down mm -hmm. let me uh let me go ahead and pull up late's uh late's joint um of what he wanted me to play shout out to late and yeah man the um, homie yeah, I'm real sad that he wasn't here. Yeah, because man. I know he wanted, Shout out to Lay. I want to make uh, me late too. But I see, he's I'll DJing. See him. Yeah, he's Saturday. DJing Saturday, so uh, we'll all rock together then. And let me let me um, hold on. Let me find this track that he wanted me to play. Ah, uh, Year of the Ox. This beat is so hard. Man. Shout out to Ox. Shout out to Rick. Remix. That's the JL. Yo, this is dope. Their album last year, uh, Year of the Ox was crazy that was one of late's top 10 albums last year mm -hmm. i don't know much about him other than i rock with the album i'm gonna play this back for you like a recap who are the names of the mcs and lyrics and jl 
And this joint has lyrics born on it too. Yep. And his yep. verse is crazy. Crazy. <laughs> what does he say? Some shit like I'm the first Asian American to drop ten, 10 albums. albums. <laughs> Yo. In showbiz. Yeah. How did this come together? So I met I lived in DC for three years actually. So from 22 to 25 to 21 to 24, I lived in D.C. and I would record. I met this cat named Rick, Lyrics, and he ran a studio called Supernova in Northern Virginia. Korean-American cat, and um, he was a little older than me, but he was crazy with the bars. But he was recording in a bunch of cats and had a studio and was running a, a, a studio and wasn't really chasing his own shit. And I was actually always really curious as to why he wasn't actually putting himself on the forefront and as i learned about um, you good right. um as i learned about him i realized that he went way back with dumbfounded and he used to live in la for a bit as well dj zell who's cutting on this record is the one that he was from northern virginia as well and they went to high school together and they've been rocking for a long time um and eom also rest in peace was was from that whole clique as well called knock steady and so you know, this is 2012. Right. I'm kind of like, oh man, don't, you know, you know, don't found it. It's <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah. you know, and so um, we go way back and then we lost touch for a minute. And then out of nowhere, I saw the Seven Rings thing on, on, on Facebook and it was blowing up. I think it was at like, it had to have been like two, three, four, some million yeah. views. Um, maybe seven, seven million it views. Did blow up, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I was like, word, they're going back at it. And then um, I didn't know of J JL. I had never met Jay. And so we actually all toured together um, in March for Dumbfounded's Yikes Tour. And so it was a big, big full circle kind of moment. And uh, kind of the first tour, real, I guess, real quote unquote tour that I had really been on on some rap shit. And so to be with fellas like that was, it meant a lot to me. No doubt, man. Did you uh, actually meet Lyrics Born? Yeah, so we're before? we're tight now, but it's like he's an OG uh, man, super OG man, and I um especially as a Japanese, you know, um, identifying cat is sort of is, is is a big big deal. When I first heard him, um, I thought he was black. You know, like this was this was maybe '98. I heard I think the first Latirix album came out in 1998, and um, you know back then we didn't have the internet and shit. I just would get tapes and it'd be like, who the fuck is you know Memphis Reigns? Who is who is Latirix? Who are these cats? And like uh, there was a big tape trade scene, and so like we would just get artists and we'd 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 hear a track and you wouldn't know who it was unless somebody wrote you a track listener or whatever mm -hmm. and um my my musical share today is actually a track from from that album that i wanted to put down just because you know shout out to being asian american hip-hop mm -hmm. artist who mm -hmm. who has been putting it down like i think a lot of people feel like you know we're looking we're looking so much for representation and so people are like yo who are asian cats and nowadays you see uh, documentaries about asian american recording artists mm -hmm. you see you know dumbfounded did you see that i didn't watch it I okay, didn't, okay i didn't watch it rick is in that okay yep, yep. word yep. i mean you know i i know of it but it, it's like i just hadn't got around to watching yeah. it but yeah. i have been following dumb mm -hmm. since uh you know he was he was tag teaming with uh satire and doing battle mm -hmm. raps back in the day and i've been following you know a lot of um a lot of Asian American artists like Off White, Mestizo, uh, Jin, even back in the day, and it's, it's never been a weird thing for me to 
hear about Asian artists because mm-hmm. back in the day it was just like, are you dope or are you fucking not dope? And if mm-hmm. you're dope, then we rocking with you. So this joint, this joint off of the Latirix album, this is the the intro track. Have you ever heard this? Mm-mm. Yo, the way. All right, so Latif, the truth speaker, and and lyrics born are Latirix, right? That's mm-hmm. the name of their crew. On this track is the intro track of their debut album, which came out I want to say in '97, right? And so I didn't get this until '98, '99. But if you listen to this joint, they each are rhyming simultaneously, and they're panned to one ear. So we used to take this. I used to unplug one of my speakers so I could hear one verse, and then the other Crazy. one, or remove my headphone. And it's just wildly creative. And this is also at a time where I was realizing that this is also a point in the time in time where I started realizing um, what people could do with poetry and writing and rap because if you listen to these verses like a lot a, a lot of it is like non sequiturs but also they're taking like poetic devices and just riding with them like mm-hmm. that or or sound you know um it's just it's just really it, it's when i started being like yo i can rap whatever the fuck i want to rap and do it whatever way and of course there was cats like freestyle fellowship that were doing that before and and you know uh, abstract rude and, and and even guys like cool keith were doing weird things lyrically but 97 was when i started being like mainstream rap is getting really trash around it was written when Nas started coming with that and when jay-z started blowing up i was like this shit is getting some shit i can't identify with and all these underground cats were speaking to me so much and lyrics born was maybe one of the first like asian american artists that i found i was asian american i was like fuck you could just be whatever you you know whatever and fucking kill it so where was like what's like you said tapes right he was yeah. on tapes like what kind like mixtapes yeah like literal cassette West Coast? tapes yeah west coast joints we, shit we used to do tape trades we used to send tapes find somebody online and send each other tapes okay i'll trade you this tape that i got for that tape like some of these old al- albums like uh genelic in, in memphis rain scorpion tales if you got a real physical copy of that people buy that shit for like 200 dollars because it was like imagine before the internet if you found out G Yamaza had this album, right? And it was super dope. Only people that are going to have that are regional people that he was selling that shit to out of his trunk. And people that communicated with other people across the country and sent that tape over. So you would get like a fourth, fifth generation dub that sounded kind of shitty, but was the track. And then you play that shit out till the tape pop and probably make a dub of it for your homies too. And that's how that's how the community used to spread. I used to be pen pals with this Australian graph writer. And we used to just send each other pieces. Like, hip hop community was a real community. It was... It was it was together and people just knew each other and yeah like i had no idea what what latirix was for for a couple years after i heard this shit and it just spoke to me man and and i I, again with the poetry that you do and you being asian american i thought this was apt to share because this is authentic fucking artistry by somebody who is another marginalized person in the united states who used hip-hop to express themselves and found ways to be successful and to inspire other people so shout out to fucking lyrics born man shout out to lyrics born man oh gee this shit is crazy too <laughs> tiktok gonna play something 
Yeah, and uh, I put all the songs that, uh, that we're playing at the end of the uh, at the end of the podcast too for people to listen to without us talking over them and everything. So I'll just go ahead and skip over this joint. Yeah, let me check some of those out. Here we go. Here's the OG. Both of them are dope shit. All right, here we go. Cut that off. So, um, who is this? Mind Ghetto? You? This is you, TikTok? You, is your name Mind Ghetto or TikTok? DJ Time is a, I use TikTok. So producer name is a Mind Ghetto. Oh, okay. Mind Ghetto is a dope ass name, man. Yeah. We were talking about dope names. Or, I like that. Mind Ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> is this a new song? No, this song is a, Two months ago. Okay. Yeah. Shit, this thing is pretty new. That. <laughs> Are you What's on Bandcamp? What? Are you on Bandcamp? No. No. No Bandcamp. 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 Yeah, like a platform. Ongaku ariyatsu. No. So can you hide there? Bandcamp. Can you hide there? Ah, I can't hide there. Probably not. Okay. Sorry. The name is Shakedown Boulevard. Yeah. Featuring Lady uh, KK. KK. She Japanese? Yes. Okay. This is dope, Mind Ghetto. Damn. Killing it. <laughs> I'm just going to rock to this. Yeah, smooth. How did you and uh, TikTok hook up? Through George. Okay. Through Buddha. I think you yep, mentioned yep, that. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hachi LG. Yo, this this kind of reminds me of a Cali vibe, man. I could see driving down the Pacific Coast Highway uh, <laughs> when the sun's setting off of this shit. You know what I mean? This is dope. With the top down. Yeah, if you got money for that top down. I used to drive a Cadillac. <laughs> I used to do- drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stratus. Stratus. Yeah. Shout, out, one shout of those. out to Okie Dokie, man. He used to get it done. Yeah. This is really smooth, good, though. Yeah, I like Yeah, this, this is really good. I'll put the links in the show notes for everybody to find these joints and enjoy them. This one rock for a minute, though. Uh, so TikTok, do you have uh, like a album out? Maybe next year. Next year? Yes. Well, I'm glad it's December because I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> next year is right around the corner. Damn, that's crazy, yo. <laughs> and you, you DJ out here? You, sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. <coughs> Word, man. I'll have to uh, follow you on Instagram so I can check you out. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll, oh. I'll look for you on Instagram. So should check it. Mind, mind Ghetto? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. mind, mind Ghetto TikTok. Okay. Yeah, I was scrolling through your Instagram page and I was like... Yo, that's J-Rock from the Mighty Beat yeah, Junkies, yeah. yo. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy, man. So, great experience for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was out here with um, Knowledge. Or no. Yeah, no, no, yeah he was yes, with Knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Same, I try to get Knowledge timing. on the podcast, but he don't do interviews. Oh, nah? Yeah, not really. Yeah, I like Knowledge. He's, He's dope. kind of a quiet guy. Yeah. I, I mean, like, his, his old roommate is, like, a good fr- uh, friend of ours. And so I was like, yo, tell Knowledge to do the podcast. He's like, I'll text him, but probably nah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a definite nah. 
Y'all don't gotta play rap, do I? No, no, hell no. Word. Yeah, play whatever you want, man. Right, what you got? What you got? Yeah, in there? We'll, we'll let you plug in then. Yeah, let's, let's plug you in. You know what I'm saying? That, that black pink, that AKB 48. All right now. Uh, got the so I didn't know about. I didn't know about this joint. That this yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. Sukiyaki. This is a jam, yo. They used yeah, to play. What was the name? Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Who did this? Uh, 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 sure. An American version of this joint. Uh, I'm not sure, I can't remember. Well, so the first thing I remember of this this melody is. Your love away from me. Yeah. What's that? Um, uh, Slick, Slick Rick. Rick. Slick Rick yeah, and Snoop. Yeah, yeah and Snoop. Lottie Dottie joint. Yeah. And I'm sure I know there's plenty of other shit. But yeah. when I first heard this, and I think this was last year when I was visiting, I was like, Oh my God, this is some. This is crazy, and my head just exploded. And uh, it's just a beautiful joint, man. And it's just yeah. like, dang, I was a kid listening to Slick Rick. Like, this is dope. And then years later, find out it's originally yeah. a Japanese song. And That type of backward shockwave in yeah. hip-hop is so dope. <laughs> yeah. When you hear the, 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 like the sample version, mm. and then you hear the original, so dope. Mm. During your episode of Heat Rocks, like I was really, I always really enjoy that because they talk about the samples. Mm. And that Luther Vandross, um, A House Is Not A House sample, mm. that they sped up for... Um, What's the name of the joint? Slow Jams. Slow Jams. Fucking, that's like one of my all-time mm. favorite joints, man. Because my dad kind of looks like Luther. And so, like, I've fucking been a huge Luther fan mm. my whole life. But, yeah, this is beautiful, man. What's the name of it? Q, Q Sakamoto. Q Sakamoto. Ueo Muite Aruko. Okay. But the Sukiyaki song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is, is this considered Enka? Nah. Not really? No? Yeah. Okay. So, I feel like it's uh, so traditional Japanese pops. Okay. Yeah. What year was this? I don't know, Mio. Mio? Mio. We're like the better just the pops. All the pops, all the school pops. Mm. The pops. cover looks like it's probably some 1940s, 1950s joint. That's right. Looks like some 1940s type of joint. Could be early 60s, yeah? yeah. But this just is like beautiful, just songs, man. Yeah. Like yeah. I was listening <laughs> to old Inca Japanese, just like how slow they were and mm-hmm. how just mm-hmm. heartfelt it was. And I'm trying to figure out how to bring that bring that into my shit you somehow, need to go man, digging so. out here and just grab a bunch of those anchor joints man and a lot of japanese funk joints are out here that are really crazy <laughs> like movie movie soundtracks japanese movie yeah, soundtracks uh, like oh, those bands used to be killing it back in the day so mm-hmm. word up well shoot man i don't really think that i have much more to ask you i know you got to get out of here and uh, i'm gonna see you again on saturday so we could rock together then you got any more questions uh yeah i got TC? one last question and the North Cat you talked about in the North Cat track you talked about the slaw. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where you go get the slaw at, man? <laughs> in uh, Durham, man. Man, there's this spot right next to this gas station on Riddle Road, Riddle Road in 55, and uh, it's just I don't even know what it's called, man. But I just it's just like this little stand that this man is run. I don't even know when they be open or not. But when I used to go community college every day, I used to pass by it and most fire. Fire barbecue ever, bro. The back at the five too. Um, yeah, have you had barbecue barbecue with slaw? Well, slaw yeah, I've had it in like a few oh, yeah, places. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Charlotte yeah, too. That's right. Yeah, I'm tripping. I, yeah, I had it in Memphis as well when I went to visit Memphis. So. I'm more of a Texas barbecue guy, man. Word. I wasn't going to mention this during the podcast, especially <laughs> I heard two North Carolina cats, but I like Texas barbecue, man. But I mean, that's one thing that's kind of trash about out here. 
Ain't no barbecue yeah, ain't spots no barbecue out here. Yeah, that's the, that's the Maybe TikTok. Thing. You know where some barbecues, barbecue there, spots are? There's one in Nakamegaro that's pretty good. What? Barbecue. Barbecue? Uh, Aru toko. The thing is, I feel like the actual quality of meat is so much yeah, better in Japan. That's the thing. So usually, Japanese people are going to Korean barbecue, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like, the quality of the meat works against things, like uh, the bacon. It's like too right. good quality. It doesn't get greasy enough. Definitely. And then like Definitely. like with the hot dogs, it's like yo, I'm gonna need you to put like some toes in there, or like some hooves, <laughs> some snout, because this hot dog doesn't taste like a good old fashioned American kind of like street hot dogs. That's They're good too point. good. Yeah, it's yeah. like the meat is too good. Too good. Like, come on, man. Like what I'm trying to trying to get just a heart failure over here. Mm. Yeah, but. Word up, man. Uh, G. Amazawa, thank you so much for rocking thank with us, you, man. man. Uh, yeah, pleasure, I'm looking man. forward to the show. Yeah. Uh, Mind Ghetto TikTok. I'm going to be watching you, man. I'm going to be looking for your music because you're really dope. <laughs> dope. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I started following you on Instagram. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks okay. so much. I'm going to do it yeah. up. Uh, Tokyo Cliff, thank you for rocking with us, man. No Robert Mobile Podcast all day. And uh, yo, thank you all, man. Peace. Peace. Yamazawa like G's dad Sagoy Spin the globe and then point That's my next one Landlord thinks I'm selling soy Cause I pay for the next month Airport security knows your boy Got a respect sign They let me stand in pre-check And call me KRNS One One And my roommates forgot my face Clothes smell like another coast And my pants smell like what's the name I don't fuck with the standbys Throat to see these soup dumplings in Shanghai JL don't stand for jet lag, now it's just landed. It's not a case of where in the world now, but it's what planet. Five star talent means accommodations to match. Fly to Asia to party, then we fly to Vegas to rap. That's all in a day's work now. I touch down so often, like I'm not playing for first downs. Staying playing so often, I ponder how planes work now. Fans are raised hands, and I'm falling in face first now. And pray it works out. Uh, frequent five miles piling up. I fall to get beverage service quarter hourly. And all the airlines already know I always for the I'll see. Lyrics born. First Asian rapper to make 10 albums in the history of American showbiz. Don't trip, I'm over it. I ain't waiting to die for y'all to recognize. Motherfucker, I want my roses. I'm putting five racks down for every pound of your body weight. So if you ain't coming heavy, baby, you really ain't got a lot to gain. Been touring longer than I haven't been. Sometimes I think in foreign languages. Passport is stamped more than return foreign packages. Slept on more mattresses and hotels than in my own residence. Still got money from countries that no longer on the map exist. California king getting currency independently. In an industry that hated me, beige balled me and baited me. But you can't pigeonhole a peacock. My pajamas reek of green skunk, sea grumps, and overseas love. Japanese triple OG, call me OG, son.
Never in the same place for more than six days. I made sex tapes in all countries, then y'all performed in two decades. LB was oh, here. That's the young G on my anchor shit. The aim isn't creating the payment, it's what you make of it, boy. You should be thanking us. Better see that spine stiff and spitting with veterans who adjusted to the time difference. My mind's slipping, the palms lifting like spirituals. Rick hit me for the remix, but should have been on the original. But fuck it, I'm honored to collab with the cousin Bull City and Ox Gang is bound to get ruckus Age 5, the last time I had stage fright And now I'm on that late night flight, she's saying my name right Yeah, I navigate the leverage The album dropped in May and made the whole South celebrate my heritage This that three dimension, I see no end shit That blowing the attention, make you reassess your friendships That ego lead to tension, but they loving it now Because I write like it's a gun in my mouth Before it blow, I put a jewel up in the crown And then I pass it around my miles let my folks put grams ashes back in the ground i know that she cracking a smile through these blessings so you know we rep it above the clouds and below the heavens yamaza 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 yamaza
measurements and as we have penciled in as lyricists in this time period we experiment with a myriad of new findings different from the supposed truths the ample evidence we presented it complemented our argument that everything is impermanent not static or at a settled standstill as the opposite of it has suggested is legitimate and finally a reminder that the precious metals and ores mined for early in the earth's surface sediment cannot compare to the infinite introspective splendor if you will represented by the treasures indicative of our entrance into the earth's center and sun I love that fragrance. 
playful pet. Yes, I'm the veterans, ain't it? You slaying later, right? You driving later, right? Over some later, right? Over the sunset edge. Bitch, Oh, you're 